Welcome to the Idea Fit Pro Show with your host, Sandy Todd Webster. Hey there to our Fit Pro family, and welcome to another episode of the Idea Fit Pro Show. This is Sandy Webster, Ideas Editor in Chief, and your host for the podcast. Today, I'm excited to be speaking with Pete McCall, a longtime colleague and collaborator whose work I have always admired. He's a content developer, host of the All About Fitness podcast, and author of the books Smarter Workouts, The Science of Exercise Made Simple, and the newly released Ageless Intensity. Through the years, he has also authored many articles and textbook chapters about exercise physiology. In addition, Pete holds a master's degree in exercise science and has been educating fit pros since 2002. He's an education consultant and master trainer for core health and fitness, as well as a content creator for both the American Council on Exercise and the National Academy of Sports Medicine. Stay with us as Pete and I have a great lineup of topics to chat about today. Hey, Pete McCall, welcome and thanks for coming on the podcast today. Hi, hi, Sandy Todd Webster. Thank you so much. It's an honor to be here. And I, and I mean, that. it really is a lot of fun to, to catch up and have this conversation. Yeah, it's so great to see you after such a long time. Um, so in terms of in- introductions, you're well known around the industry as a master trainer, a content developer, author, subject matter expert. But for the benefit of those who don't know you, um, please give us a top level overview of your career thus far and how that's led you to the interesting combination of things that you're doing today. Well, no, thanks. And, and so, again, thanks uh, for listeners for, for giving us uh, your ears for a little while. Um, I've been I've been doing I've been making people sweat. I joke, Sandy, that my job is I make half naked people sweaty. Um, <laughs> yeah, and that really is when, when I, I when I take a step back and look at it, I'm like, I never have a bad day because the, what we do is try to create and develop um, create um, positive energy and impart positive energy on people. But for listeners, for what it's worth, I started out as a personal trainer and group fitness instructor in the Washington, D.C. area. And in the early 2000s, got involved with being an educator for Town Sports International, which operated Washington sports clubs in my market. And so from there, I, was, I, I taught NASM within the I had I was one of the NASM master trainers within TSI um, going up and down the East Coast. I got a master's degree from the NASM program. Um, ended up uh, ended up working for Ace a couple years later. Somehow got hired <laughs> by Ace to be a uh, to be an educator with Ace and worked directly for Ace for a few years. And since 2013, it was one of those things where, as much as I love training and seeing people change their lives, I enjoy educating and I enjoy encouraging people to learn how to do this. I mean, I, I'm gifted in the fact, and I don't know if I've ever shared with this, this with you. But my father was a, a minister, a Lutheran minister. So I grew up watching my father speak every Sunday. I, I, and my mother was a politician and she had been on a town council when we lived in North Carolina. Before What, she, what a combination. And, and so, I, yeah, well, between a politician and a minister, I'm kind of like, I, you know, I kind of crave, I, 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 will, I will selfishly admit this, I kind of crave the limelight a little bit. Um, and, and, but when I, when I get into fitness, I realized that teaching comes relatively easy for me. Public speaking comes relatively easy. And what I love doing is I love engaging with others to get them thinking about how can we do our job? How can we be more effective at our job? How can we be more efficient? 
And I look at this is if I'm working, the way I, I try to look at this, if I'm teaching a workshop or if I'm writing a blog or a piece for, for the fitness journal for anybody, I'm looking at it as I'm trying to help people live their lives just 1% better through health and exercise. And, and so that's what motivates me. Along the way, um, I still consult and create education programs. I, I, I'm one of the few people who work for both NASM and ACE as a contractor. So I do um, different things for both organizations. I, I work primarily, my, my primary gig is with Nautilus and Stairmaster. I'm so excited just as we record this. I'm just booking my first uh, workshop for them in uh, 18 months. <laughs> so I'm excited a, to actually- A live workshop. Live, a live in-person, non-two-dimensional workshop. So How fun. I'm doing 2D workshops, but I'm looking forward to um, going back out on the road. And I do Nautilus and Stairmaster stuff. And then I've turned into a writer and a podcaster. So that's one of the things. Of, and and I just, we were saying before you hit record, one of the really cool things for listeners out there, one of the really cool things about the fitness industry is that it's one of these places where you can create your own path, where you can kind of, if, if, you're, if you're creative enough, if you have the right ideas, you, you can create your own path and do just amazing things um, all in the name of getting people sweaty. Yeah, I mean, both aspirational and inspirational to hear that. And just to know that you're you're held back only by your own creativity and the energy you want to put into it, right? Absolutely. Yeah, it's there's some people doing some amazing things who are just they, 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 they figured out they figured out a niche and they figured out a way to communicate that. And it just and that's what so that's what I love about this. I look at some what some people do and it, it never would have occurred to me to do that. And it just, yeah, I get inspired by that, by, by that all the time. So I, I know you were super busy, head down working during pandemic. In, in addition to your podcasting and all the other activities you're doing, you were writing a book. So the book was recently published. Um, it's called Ageless Intensity, Effective Workouts to Slow the Aging Process. And in the book, you offer evidence on how high-intensity exercise can minimize psychological effects of aging, as well as maximize health benefits for people 40 and older. And I just um, was hoping you could give us the author's elevator pitch for the book. And um, also, I'm curious to know what drove you to the topic and what did you learn during your writing journey? Well, no, thanks. And, and that is so life works so funny, right? The first book I wrote, um, I wrote literally in airplanes and hotel rooms, um, traveling around and coffee shops, traveling around. And I signed the contract for ageless right in, in January, late January, early February of 2020. So I, that thankfully, I mean, the, the one, the hidden, besides spending extra time with my kids, the, the hidden uh, benefit of, of 2020 was really being able to hunker down and work on the book. But in all honesty, Sandy, you, I mean, you and, and, and the people that our age group and our demographic were the inspiration for, for this book because everywhere I go, every gym I go to, whether it's in the United States or internationally, there are a group of individuals out there between the ages of, of early 40s to, and I'm not saying you're in the later group, I'm just saying, but there are individuals between like their early 40s and late 50s or early 60s who are still getting after it and training really hard. There are people, I got my first gym, I got my first job in a gym in 1990 when I was a senior in high school. And I've been, I've either had a membership or worked for a gym for the last 31 years. And, and when I, when you look at this, so all that to say, there's a huge population of people out there who are, we're all getting older, but these people are in their fifties and sixties now 
who want to train hard. They've been exercising for their entire lifespan. They just want to do it in a way that's smart. They're not afraid of, of working hard. They're not afraid of getting a little bit sore, but they don't want to be, they don't want to be the wrong kind of sore. They want to be growth oriented sore, not pain oriented sore. And so that really was my motivation was really giving, having a resource, going through the research that's out there, the published research, and having a resource for people over the age of 40 who love working out and, and they don't want to slow down. They just want to do it smarter, not necessarily harder. Yeah. So, Pete, I wanted to dissect the book a little bit. You've um, it really the way you organized it really appealed to my editorial sensibilities. Cool. You, you've broken the book into three very logical parts, or at least they spoke to me. Um, and I wanted to walk through these one at a time. And so you start with a section on slowing the aging process through functional training and changing how you age. So set the table for us. Why did you feel functional training was the logical place to start the conversation? No, I love that question because I, I when I came when I was developing the industry in the in the late '90s, functional training became a thing, and in the late '90s, functional training was you're standing on a this, you're doing a that, you're you're doing a lot of what's based on proprioception and balance and coordination. Well, what happened in the mid 2000s? Well, CrossFit came along and people started exercising at a high intensity and go, whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm growing muscle, I'm getting fit. So what they were doing for quote-unquote functional training in the late 90s, early 2000s was different. So in the last few years, we've had this evolution of functional training to now mean high-intensity training, to now mean metabolic conditioning, to now mean working on recovery, adding recovery strategies and protocols in there. And when, when what I try to do in the book is I try to re kind of refocus functional training that if you're over the age of 40, functional training becomes the means to achieve what's called successful aging. Mm -hmm. And successful aging is the concept of aging free from disease, free from disability, and with optimal cognitive and physical performance. So the point being that if you're over a certain age, that you know what? Functional is using exercise to control how we age, to control the effects of the aging process. So it's not so much lifting a certain amount of weight or doing a cool balance exercise. It's really understanding that anytime you exercise, you're, you're actually doing, you're taking an important step for slowing down how aging affects your body. So, I mean, for instance, I just, um, I, I like to garden a lot. And so I try to do moves in my training that assist me with that. And in fact, I, I shot a series of, of moves last week that we put out as an article as the gardener's workout. It's a functional workout. And so is that the kind of thing we're talking about, just making it applicable to real life situation? Yeah, absolutely. And I love that. I, you know, I love the concept of the gardener's workout because for years, and you don't know this, but for years, years, I've argued that a woman gardening, you know, a woman in her maybe her 50s or 60s, gardening in your yard, bending, pulling, pushing, rotating, is probably experiencing similar forces than a 20-year-old lineman playing in, in college college football. <laughs> not at the same volume, not at the same intensity, but if you're a lineman, you're pushing, you're pulling, you're rotating, you have other people running at you. Right. If you're if you're gardening, you're doing that, but you're but so that all that to say that functional is defined by the activity that you want to train for. So yes, if you want to garden, if you want to play with your grandkids without being sore the next day. If you want to take that vacation now that we're traveling again, if you want to go to Machu Picchu and, and go for that hike, or if you want to go, I had, a, I had a client one time hire me to get ready for kayaking around New Zealand. You know, I look at that as that is functional training. 
exercise to me, Sandy, exercise and fitness means fitness is having the ability to do what you want to do when you want to do it. Because if you ever look, since you're a wordsmith, I love looking up words. I love looking up, you know, when I'm writing something, I love looking up in a dictionary. What, what does a word mean? And when I look up fitness in a dictionary, there's no, no mention of appearance. There's no mention of body type. There's no mention of, of being a certain size. The definitions of fitness all center around work capacity and work ability and ability to perform. And that's really what I try to get people thinking about is that fitness is the ability to have your optimal life for how you want to live. Now, some people might want to walk on, on a stage in their underwear in, in a physique contest. Great. Other people might just want to be able to walk 18 holes swinging a golf club without being wrecked for the rest of the week. That is, and that's what I think is the beauty of it is, is really that everybody has the opportunity to define fitness for what it means for themselves. And I, and I think one of the things that we've mistakenly done um, in the greater whole of the industry is really try to define what fitness is for other people rather than allowing people to really have their own definition of what fitness means for them. Absolutely. It's, it should be individual. And, you know, as fit pros, we should be looking at every individual as a unique specimen. Everybody has their, their own goals, whether they're aesthetic, whether they're functional, whether it's um, competing at a very high level in sports, it, it can be anything to anyone. And so we really have to remember that. So yeah. I, I wanted to go into the second part of the book, um, which is really focused on improving how active agers move through mobility patterns and exercises. And then you get into strength and power. And then finally, into the metabolic conditioning and workouts portion. How has the body of research impacted the way we think about these facets of training and aging over the past 20 years, say, since you started training people? Well, no. And, that, and, and for listeners... This is extremely important. So I'm going to take my time with this. When you look at most of the research on older adults, a large majority of the research, an overwhelming majority of the research, Sandy, is done on deconditioned older adults. They'll take adults in their 60s that, that don't have a history of exercise. And th this is a new exercise intervention. So they might take 50 or 60 year olds and say, OK, we're going to have you do a 10 week strength program. We're going to have you do a 16 week cardio program. And guess what? All the time they see phenomenal results. Whoa, look at this. Exercise helped these people get in better shape. The issue is there's not because, and, and, and to take a step back, the modern fitness industry started in about 1970, right? In the 1970s, when the health club model became viable, you had Judy Shepard Massette introduced jazzercise in the late 1960s. You um, Nautilus came out and released Nautilus strength training machines in 1970. So you really, it wasn't until the 1970s that people made exercise part of their recreational pastime. Mm -hmm. Like think of, for those of us that have ever watched, and if you're super young, you're not going to have any idea what I'm talking about, but think about some of those reruns we used to watch when we were growing up, Leave it to Beaver and Father's Knows Best that were on in syndication. You never saw June say to Ward, hey guys, dinner's going to be late because I'm taking Peloton tonight. Or you never <laughs> saw, you know, you never saw, you know, you know Mike and Carol Brady Mike Carol Brady didn't say, hey, guys, you're on your own. I'm going to yoga class tonight. <laughs> it wasn't a part of our what I'm saying. It wasn't a part of our popular culture. Exercise and fitness was not a part of our popular culture until the 70s and 80s. So now for say somebody was 25 years old in 1975, that means they were born in 1950. If they've been a member of a health club from 1975 to now for the last 45 years, 
they're now about 70 years old and they're fit. Mm -hmm. There's not a lot of research out there for them. There's not a lot of research out there. There's been one study that I've seen by Ball State University, by the Exercise Science Lab. It was published in 2018 that compared 70-year-olds, fit 70-year-olds to people in their 20s. And they found that fit 70-year-olds, people who've been exercising throughout their lifespan, their muscle biopsies, their enzyme levels, their mitochondrial density was similar to that of people 40, 50 years younger than them. And to me, that's remarkable. And that, that so what I try to do in, in the book is to say, based on what we've seen, we know that strength and power training can elevate testosterone and growth hormone. That there's been research on that with people in their 60s and 70s. That if people in their 60s and 70s do these exercise programs, women have more of a, of a growth hormone response, men have more of a testosterone response. So we have that data. We have data on aerobic training for people in their 60s. So what I try to do is bring that all together and put that in a format to say, okay, based on what we've seen, we should be doing strength training, heavy strength training to the point of, 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 of fatigue. We should be doing a little explosive training, a little power training. We should be doing metabolic conditioning. There's some really cool stuff on high intensity interval training for people in their 60s and 70s and as a means of managing a disease and avoiding disease. So it's really kind of shifting our mindset of we're used to go, doing this stuff to kind of slam our face into the walls, I like to call it, to really get after it for appearance. And really what I want people to realize is, no, this type of high intensity training, it really is, it's the fountain of youth, right? It really is, you know, you, you for centuries, we've had people looking for the fountain of youth. Well, go swing a kettlebell, flip a tire, and then run 200 meters and, and you're, you're on your way. I mean, but I mean, that that's what what we're seeing. I mean, we, we, we see how it really allows people to to function better and perform better well into their later years. Yeah, I, you know, I'm not saying I'm some great physical specimen, but the the daily workout, my morning workout is so integral to just my being. It's it's my cup of coffee in the morning. It's I get excited about training and that goes back to, you know, my my young athletic days as, you know, I trained every day and I still do and I just don't feel good or strong or you know, just sort of even mentally fit if I don't get out there and get after it. Well, I didn't, didn't you just do a post? Was this Facebook or, or Instagram? I saw you did a post where you were at, um, I forget AC's place now, where because you're, you're, you're still working out with AC's group, right? Well, it was, yeah, it's now called Brainstorm Fitness Brainstorm. and it's okay, a, a different owner altogether. But yeah, we did, this was the gardener's workout shoot that we did there. Yeah, and, 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 but but the thing is, you're working with people who understand programming and they know how to program for your needs. And, and importantly, they know how to push you a little bit too, right? It's appropriate. And that's the other thing we need to realize. I just did a talk last week with um, with Exos, where a large percentage of the coaches at Exos, and this is for their corporate wellness site, a large percentage of, the, of their team is under the age of 30. And I remember being 28 years old, starting in the career. I was scared of working with people in their 50s, Sandy. I was scared of, of like, because you, you're thinking, oh, 50 is old, right? <laughs> <laughs> and, and I say that jokingly because I turned 49 this year. I turned 49 shortly. So I remember being brand new in the industry thinking 50 was old and going, wow, these people are doing, they're kicking butt and cycling. They're doing this. I can't believe 50-year-olds are doing this. And this is not that, you know, that was in the late 1990s. But all that to say that that if, if you're working, if you're relatively young and new to the industry, number one, welcome. But number two, be smart about how you do the programming because Somebody my age in their late 40s or somebody in their 50s that's been exercising, they're fit and they can work hard, but they just want to work smart. And, they, and if they need to take a moment off and take, take catch their breath, 
by all means, let them do that. Yeah, I would say in the past three to five years, my my new sort of personal mantra has been just because I can do it doesn't mean I should do it every time. You know, if I'm if I'm not feeling it that day, I just, you know, I give myself a pass. I'm not loafing it. I mean, because my standards are pretty high, but I, I do give myself a pass every now and again and just say, just enjoy the movement. Enjoy, enjoy moving. But, but that's why I made mobility. That's why I made mobility such an important point in the book is because in all honesty, Sandy, some of my favorite workouts are just mobility workouts are just going through like lunge, body weight, lunge patterns, going through maybe some mobility stuff with a TRX or with a Viper, not doing a lot of heavy load or maybe using a cable machine of just moving through different planes of motion. Because yes, I want to get after it and be able to lift heavy, but physiologically, we can only do that two, maybe three days a week. Because yeah. we need, especially as we get a little bit older, we need a little bit more recovery time. But it doesn't mean, I mean, so you can go hard. If you had a hard workout this morning, you're like, whoa, that was really good. It doesn't mean skip it tomorrow. But what it maybe means is instead of going hard tomorrow, that maybe you, you take that hatha, that gentle yoga class, or maybe you just do a body weight movement, or maybe you go for a good 40, 45 minute walk that, that gets your heart rate up a little bit and gets you sweating a little bit, but not out of breath. Yeah. And that's where I want people thinking about is that you don't need to crush yourself with every workout, but two or three workouts a week should make you slightly uncomfortable to get the best results you know, throughout the aging process. Yeah, well, I would love to train with you sometime, Pete. Okay, we're going to take a quick break from this great conversation to share some super exciting news from Idea Health and Fitness Association. Are you ready? Okay, here goes. We are gifting registrations to 2021 Idea World Virtual this July 9th through 11th for the first 15,000 people who sign up for our all new reimagined Idea Fit Plus membership. That's a $399 ticket to the Super Bowl of Fitness for fit pros who renew or sign up for Idea Fit Plus membership for as low as $199 per year. That's right, the $399 ticket to the 2021 virtual event is included in your membership price. If you're not an IDEA member, learn more how, about how IDEA Fit Plus membership is truly the mastermind asset that fit pros everywhere are choosing to push their careers forward. To learn more about how you can enjoy all of IDEA's incredible benefits and career tools, and to get your complimentary ticket to IDEA World Virtual, please visit ideafit.com or call our inspired service team at 1-800-999-4332, extension 7. Time is of the essence for this incredible offer. The benefits and services in this new membership package are the most contemporary, relevant, and affordable in today's market. Your IdeaFit Plus membership will help you to keep moving forward and building your career during these challenging times. So jump over to ideafit.com today to learn more and secure your IdeaFit Plus membership and your all-access three-day ticket to 2021 Idea World Virtual. Check the show notes for details. Now let's get back to the interview. 
that brings us to the last part of the book, which is about designing your workout plan to extend your lifespan. And I think you just alluded to some of the principles of that um, in what you just said. But after I wanted to ask you, after researching and writing the book, and as, a, as an active ager yourself, what did you learn that led to any kind of change in your own training regime? I love that question. It's just what you just said, just giving yourself permission sometimes. You said it so well. It's giving yourself permission sometimes to say, you know what? My head might say today's supposed to be a hard day. Maybe I didn't sleep well last night. Maybe whatever. Maybe I didn't make good nutrition choices yesterday and I'm not feeling 100% today. Or, or maybe my mind's on something else. I'm, I'm thinking about my deadline for IFJ or something like that. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, in all, but in all seriousness, it's giving myself permission to say, you know what, today I don't need to do a hard workout. If I go for a 30 minute walk today, or if I just go do some stretching, or if I do some mobility work, I guess what, I can come at it. That means tomorrow my battery is gonna be recharged and I can come at it a little bit harder tomorrow. So I try to, what I try to do is I look at my week and I'll try to kind of plan out my week, what I'm gonna do, how I'm gonna train. I try, and I try to get people thinking about this, whether I'm, I'm, I'm doing my podcast or whether I'm writing a, an article or, or a book, is we should spend a little bit of time at the beginning of the week, like on a Sunday, say, all right, what's our week going to look like? What's our schedule look like? When can I, you know, when can I fit it in? Is there a day when I might have a crazy day? What can I do on that day? And so it's really trying to get that. But it's just what I've learned going through the research is just be forgiving because guess what? Tomorrow's going to happen. So if it didn't make it today, whatever you can do today, just get out and move a little bit and, and come back and do it again tomorrow. Excellent. Wait, great way to sum it up. Um, and so, Pete, we're going to put information about where people can find your book in the show no notes, but um, it's Human Kinetics, right? Yeah, Human Kinetics is a publisher, Ages, okay. Ages Intensity, and it's really, I, I really I appreciate that. And one thing that I did um, for listeners, so you, you kind of make it a little bit interesting, I wanted to, to weave in a narrative so people could just kind of have some some enjoyment reading the book is I used 80s movies. I made, well, the exception of The Matrix. The Matrix came out in the 90s. But I used 80s movies as kind of to give physiological lessons, like The Terminator, right? Because The Terminator from Arnold Schwarzenegger, we know he's a cybernetic organism. We know he, he's a robot. And if you look at the body, the body is like a robot, but the muscles and skeletal system are the hardware, and our nervous system is a software operating system. So I kind of, I kind of weave that into the book. So as you read the book, you might see some of your favorite 80s movies. Um, and I meant that since I'm that's my target audience, I really wanted to kind of have something that people could kind of relate to and go, oh, okay, I kind of get that. That makes sense to me. Very clever and geeky in the best way possible. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. So this the, the next topic where I'm going now is a little bit more esoteric, but in the book, you somewhat touch upon the notion of how fit pros can engage participants of different generations. And we had a little bit of a pre-podcast discussion, and you gave the example of Title IX's impact on women since it was passed in 1972. So in short, um, you posited that in, it encouraged more young girls from that era forward to get involved in sports. And so um, women who grew up with Title IX influence have a much di different activity history than those who don't, who didn't have that influence. So if you would please elaborate on this concept and tell us how fit pros can use this kind of logic um, with, with history and things that have happened um, along the historical continuum of fitness to frame exercise for different ages of fitness consumers. What should we be looking at and how do we make these observations actionable? 
No, I, I thank you for asking that because, and, and just for a little background, my, my undergraduate degree was actually government and economics. And a large component of that was studying history. So I'm kind of a history geek. And, and with history, with studying history, you have to contextualize it. How does it apply today? And what I realized, Sandy, early in my career, that this was maybe in the early 2000s, was there's a difference. I would see women who were in the early 2000s. I was in my early 30s. So I would see women who are maybe in their early 40s who hadn't grown up playing sports. They had maybe grown up being a little bit active, but they hadn't grown up playing sports. Whereas women my age and younger, and especially at that time, women who are in their early 20s, just graduating from college in the early 2000s, they had grown up, they were born in the 1980s and they had grown up playing sports. And so there's a definite, there's a, their physical literacy was much different, meaning that the older women, the women who are a little bit older, it's not that they couldn't move well, but they didn't have that history of movement. They had never been coached in the sport. They had never played organized team sports. Whereas now, and I'd say looking at now, a young woman who was born in the mid to late 1990s may have spent time on a travel softball team, may have spent time on a travel um, club soccer team, may have participated in, not only participated in sports, but maybe have had done a good strength and conditioning program in high school. Maybe had done a good strength and conditioning program in college. Because the other thing to keep in mind is that Strength and conditioning did not become a formal part of sports until the late 1990s or so. I mean, really think about that. They would do conditioning, but it wasn't until we got together. The reason why football teams have two-a-days and baseball have spring training is to get the athletes in shape for the season. Well, starting, it wasn't until the mid to late 1990s when athletes started hiring personal trainers and started staying in shape all year round. Mm -hmm. So now when you look at it, if you have a young woman that was born in the 1990s, and she played soccer, we'll say soccer, and maybe she played soccer in Division Two or Division Three in college, and she's now in her mid-20s. She's had some exposure, some pretty good coaching, and some pretty good high-intensity training. So she's going to be at a much higher skill level than somebody who might be 45 years old and who might be fit but didn't have that same exposure. So what, what's that mean for coaches? What's that mean for trainers and instructors? It means that we need to be mindful that especially when we show more technical exercise, that some people may have been exposed to this exercise repeatedly and know how to do it extremely well, while other people still might be intimidated by it because they're just not comfortable with it. Mm -hmm. And it's not that they don't want to do it, but they they didn't they didn't learn barbell, they didn't learn how to do a proper clean and jerk in a high school. You know, the older woman didn't learn a proper clean and jerk in a high school program like the younger woman did playing playing elite soccer. So it just means that we need to kind of be a little bit understanding of that and, and understand that some people might just not have that technical skill and either might need a different exercise, doesn't mean they don't want to exercise, they might need a different exercise, or they might need that exercise broken down into separate components and work on one component at a time instead of showing somebody a clean and be able, being thinking they can get it right off the bat. Yeah. You know, something we we hadn't chatted about, but it occurred to me when uh, when you said the term physical literacy, um, I, th I think we have this whole generation of of kids who haven't grown up with P.E. in schools, even who who are not physically literate um, and who who are kind of strangers to movement and fitness and and sport because of, you know, maybe even just because of their circumstances in life. Um, and so I think that's a that's a whole untapped um, population that that fit pros 
how do we focus on that? How do we how do we get well, those people into the fold? I love that because I was just having this conversation the other day um, with uh, Jeff Diltz is the VP of product development with Core Health and Fitness. And Jeff is is just he he's the OG. He's somebody that I really look up to and admire because he's done a lot of stuff in the industry. And Jeff and I were talking about virtual reality and, and virtual reality, like kind of extra gaming and some of the things that are coming out and they'll be introduced to the clubs in the next year or so, because I'm an old school guy, Sandy. I want a barbell. I want a kettlebell. I want to feel it in my hands. I want to grip it in my hands. But that's me. Right. That that's I've been doing this for a long time. I fully recognize and I think other people out there need to recognize that we're about to get a whole generation of kids into the gyms. Any kid born after the year 2000 has grown up with the iPhone. They've mm -hmm. grown up with the iPad. They've grown up with some pretty, I had Atari 2600 when I was a kid, <laughs> I mean, right? We, we had space invaders going, oh, oh, oh. But, right. if you, but a 22 year old kid now, a 20, 22 year young adult now it has grown up with some really, their, their expectation when they come into the gym, maybe they're not being, they're not active because they haven't been engaged on a level that they're familiar with. That they that they know and and so I think I, I say that because we have to be open as as, a, as an industry as these new consumers enter our market that we need to meet them where they are and understand yes. that okay maybe maybe you didn't grow up playing sports maybe you're more of a gamer how can we gamify a workout how can we use this situation and and how can we just engage you on a different level I mean and look I. I, we've had so many for the last number of years, we've made so many comments about the millennial generation and, and whatnot. And guess what? Millennials are now 40. Millennial, millennials were born <laughs> right. in 1980. And, and there's something called the, the geriatric millennial. So millennials are now. So millennials, if you're on, if you're a millennial and you're listening, you're, you're considered part of the millennial generation. In my opinion, you're off the hook. We can no longer make fun of you. You've turned 40. You're, you're, we can, but what we have to do is we have to start looking at Generation Z, which is all those individuals born around 1999 or 2000 and after and saying, OK, they're coming into our facilities. How do we need to adapt to what they're going to expect from from what their experience wants to be? Because they're not going to want the same experience that millennials did. They're not going to want the same experience that Gen X and baby boomers did. So we have to be able to recognize that and say, you know what, I might have to teach to a 22 year old or engage a 22 year old differently than I need a 42 year old. So in the same vein and in this construct of fitness evolution, what do you think we should be anticipating as we roll out of a year plus that saw our craft turn virtual overnight? I, I'm bullish. I am really, really excited about what the next year to three years is going to bring because Sandy, so I, I think a number of people took the opportunity. I've heard this from people. I've seen Facebook posts about it. There's a guy that I was coaching with. I coach rugby here in North County, San Diego. And normally he traveled he, you know, between his job and between coaching. He never really had time for his own workouts. And I saw him recently. He's like, Pete, I'm like, dude, you look great. What happened? He goes, Pete, I've lost 25 pounds in the last year. Right. Some people I gained weight in the last year because, you know, not going up on a stage, not going up on a stage to speak <laughs> at events. I'm not at, you know, whatever, you know, and, and anything I'm doing, I'm doing from like the, the chest up on. on. <laughs> so I, don't need, so I may, may not have been as tight with my nutrition as I needed to be over the last year. But what I'm, what I'm saying is that I think we had a lot of people that took the opportunity of being at home. They weren't traveling. They weren't doing other things. And they started exercising at a level that was good for them. I don't know about where, where you, I think you're in Mission Hills in San Diego. I don't know about you, but where I live in Carlsbad over the last year, I've seen so many more people walking. 
Oh yeah. I've seen a number of people cycling. I've seen where I, there's a reason why I live where I live is out my window there. I'm pointing like, you know, where I'm, where I'm pointing to, but there's, there's a whole network of mountain bike trails less than a mile away. And that's mm-hmm. one of the reasons why I live where I live. So I can hop on my bike and be, be on the trails in, in less than 10 minutes without having to get in a car. But I've seen more and more people start being active over the last year because they had the opportunity, they had the time. So what I think that's going to mean is that I think people are going to be comfortable going back into clubs because they're going to want that social setting, right? Especially if you are working from home. If, if you are working from home and you've been doing your, whatever you've been doing, Peloton, you've been doing your Apple Fitness Plus, you've been doing those programs. I really do think that you love exercise but now if I'm working at home all day, if I'm on calls all day, the last thing I want to do is plug in and do a virtual workout. I want to go to the gym and be around people. Right. So I really think that going forward, we're going to start seeing gyms become more of a community center. They're going to start, you know, it's like, because, you know, you and I both are freelancers and we both work. Well, you, you work for Idea, but we both do a lot of the same work in writing. And you're probably like me of like, gosh, I want to go to the gym because I want to be around people. As much as I love isolating when I write and I need that isolation when I'm in that creative space. There are times when I just want to go beer. And I, and I so I really think that during the time off, during the time away from gyms, I think people had the opportunity to get fit at their level of fitness. And now they're going to feel more comfortable going back into a facility, whether it's to take a group workout or whether to do their own workout. And I really think that we're going to um, have, see a big boom. I just think the challenge is going to be is can the facilities hire the right the right professionals who can handle that? Because a lot of people I know have pivoted and have have good businesses right now doing virtual coaching. And will they want to return? Will they want to give up some of that revenue and go back to a facility where it's a different revenue model? That's a whole different level of conversation. Well, yeah, I mean, we've got this great hybrid model now, and it's it just will be really interesting to see how the how the clubs manage it, if they're going to be able to get enough talented personnel to come back in to take care of um, their members. Because a lot of folks went independent and, um, you know, good for them. Well, you're seeing it just yesterday. It was I saw a release when we were recording this yesterday. I saw a thing about so many people have been quitting retail jobs because they can go get higher paying jobs somewhere else right now. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's a labor shortage and it's not not 100 percent clear what's driving it. But there's a labor shortage. And I think gyms are going to have to revisit. I think health clubs and facilities are really going to have to revisit their compensation structures because if I'm being successful in virtual training or doing online workouts for my own, why on earth would I come work for you? And you know, you have to, I mean, it really is, we're, it's, we're going to see some shifting. I'm not sure how it's going to play out. I just know that it's not going to be the same model as it was 18 months ago. Yeah, totally. Another topic for another show. Yeah. <laughs> that's for sure. We could spend two hours on that one. Um, so I'm going to switch gears a little bit here. You um, putting on one of your other hats, you have more than 300 episodes of your podcast, All About Fitness, under your belt. And as someone who has recently started this podcast journey, I think this might be episode 17 or 18 for me. I have to say that I'm really impressed with your consistency and the high level of, of topics that you've been covering. Um, what is your best advice for someone like me um, or someone who's listening right now who wants to get started in podcasting? Um, and then I'm curious to know what other opportunities um, uh, podcasting has opened up for you? I, I love that question because, and one of the things I love about doing um, doing the podcast is having the opportunity to, to speak with smart people and, and learn from them. And that's what I try to do. And and, and to kind of peel the, the curtain back a little bit, Sandy, 
Um, anytime I want to learn more about the to- a topic, anytime I want to kind of dive a little bit deeper on a subject, I'll reach out to you or I'll reach out to Christine over at ACE and pitch an article idea. A couple of years ago, I wrote an article for you on um, on recovery, exercise and recovery. And in fact, Aegis Intensity started with uh, one or two articles I wrote for you a number of years ago on exercise and aging. I wrote one on Masters Athletes, I think uh, around 2013, 2014. Mm-hmm. And, and so anytime I want to deep dive deeper into a topic, I, I'll pitch an article idea. But now with the podcast, if there's a topic that I want to explore and, and like last year, so Last year was one of my favorite interviews. It was an it was a doctor by the name of um, Dr. John Mandrola is a cardiac surgeon out of Cleveland. I think he works at um, what's the clinic there? Is Cle- it Cleveland? Cleveland Cle- Clinic. Cleveland Clinic. Yeah, he's yeah. A, he's a surgeon at the Cleveland Clinic, and he wrote. He's also a cyclist. He's also a pretty elite level amateur cyclist. Well, he wrote a book with a cyclist called um, the Telltale Heart. I think it was, or or it is about the fact that even you can be fit, you can experience arterial fibrillation which is like, it's, it's a heart issue where it just happened. I think it was what happened the other week with that soccer player from Denmark went down during the Euro cup with a, with a heart issue. Mm-hmm. But what, so, you know, I, I had read a review and it actually it turns out that the, the publisher was outdoor media <laughs> as I, I didn't even think about that mentioning the book, but I think the publisher of the book is outdoor media. Um, but I had read a review of the book in the Washington post. And I was like, Oh wow, this is fascinating. So I, I dig, did a little dig, did a little um, digging, and I found the, the the doctor, and I set it up to the publisher to interview him. That's what I love doing. I love having the opportunity to learn about something new. I do the research. If they send me a copy of the book, I'll skim the book, read, you know, pull out some tidbits from there. I'll read a couple of reviews of the book and, and try to find from there. And that's really what I try to do. What, what I want to do, the reason why I started the podcast, is is some of the fitness podcasts I was listening to. Would be just there. There are a couple of guys kind of meat heading. You know, they're not really having. They're they're talking about stuff that really to me wasn't relevant. And what I wanted to talk about, I call I call myself the NPR, the National Public Radio Fitness Podcast, because I'm trying <laughs> to have that higher level discussion. Because when I was a personal trainer, I worked in downtown Washington D.C. and a majority of my clients were attorneys. They didn't just do an exercise. They wanted to know why they're doing mm-hmm. the exercise. Kind of a good thing and a bad thing, right? They want to know why they're doing the exercise. And so that's where with, what I try to do with All About Fitness is I want people to understand why they should be doing an exercise, why they should be doing something. And it really was, and I just want to say this, I kind of mentioned to the beginning is, and for listeners, I had the opportunity for a year to work with your colleague, Jordan, at, um, at Idea, who, who, who Idea helped promote All About Fitness. And I just want to say how grateful I am for that opportunity and how thankful I am for it, because it really allowed me just it allowed me different exposure to a few different ideas. But ultimately, what I decided to do is I wanted my podcast to be consumer oriented and consumer focused as opposed to fitness professional focused. And so that's where I, I, I moved away from. And that's why I'm so excited to see you doing this, Sandy, because it is so I, I think I personally believe it is so important for you. This is just a different way to consume information and consume content. And for you to be able to speak directly to the idea membership and, and highlight articles and highlight speakers they might be able to hear at events, I think is critical to be able just to create that community around what you're doing. So for anybody out there with podcasting, as a journalist, you know, you do your research is do the research on your subject and come up with the questions. I always kind of think through the questions I want to ask ahead of time. Like tomorrow, I'm interviewing a guy who is the um, he's a, he's the head of the fitness program with the Oakland Fire Department. So he's in charge of, of fitness training for all the recruits and in charge of helping the firefighters stay fit. 
And I, I interviewed a, a colleague of mine a couple of weeks ago who does research on tactical strength and conditioning at Oklahoma State University. So I'm doing a two-part arc on strength and conditioning for first responders. But I'll go through and I'm going to ask them a bunch of different questions about why should firefighters train like an athlete? How should firefighters train? How has fitness tr evolved for, for conditioning for firefighters over, over the last number of years? And it's really, I try to just sit back and listen and ask questions and let the guests do the talking. And you're doing a phenomenal job of that now because, <laughs> because you, you ask the question and then you hear me just go blah, 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 blah. But in my mind, that's what a good podcast is, is the interviewer's done the preparation, ask the questions and let the guests speak. Because I don't know about you, but when I listen to podcasts, it always annoys me when the interviewer talks over the, when the interviewer asks a question and then turns around answering their own question without giving the guests time to speak. So I try not to do that. Yeah. Well, I encourage everyone out there listening to tune in to Pete's podcast and, uh, you know, turn on your fitness clients to it because he's speaking directly to them um, versus what we're doing here, which is, you know, talking about professional issues. Um, but anyway, Pete, congratulations on the success of your podcast, um, on your new book. Um, we're wrapping things up here. So if you could take us home by leaving our, our listeners with a parting thought and also letting them know how they can follow you or get in touch with you. No, well, thank you. Number one, I mean, again, this is, you know, it, I'm really excited to be having this conversation. And, and you, you, you said it so well, Sandy. I think you're feeling a need for what the fitness professional needs and what, what they can do to improve, their, to improve their business and improve their ability to serve their customers. And what I'm trying to do is provide that information to their clients. So that way, if, if their client goes, why the heck are you having me do the functional movement screen? Well, I interviewed Greg Cook about why, about the benefits of the functional movement screen and how to do that. Um, but yeah, it's the All About Fitness podcast. Uh, you can find me almost anywhere podcasts are, can be found. Um, uh, my book is coming out on Amazon or is out on Amazon, uh, Ageless Intensity. My website is PeteMcCallFitness.com. And I try to blog about one or two times a week, about three or four times a month. And I just try to put relevant information up there. I try to, one of the things I try to do is just pay attention to the research coming out. And what I love about being a content creator and about being an educator is trying to, again, contextualize. It's not just going through the research, but it's contextualizing the research about why, why is this important and how do we use it with our clients? Because at the end of the day, I, I jokingly say that our job is to make half-naked people sweaty. But the reality <laughs> of it is, and I'll close with this. The reality of it is that we only have 24 hours in a day, right? We have 24 hours in a day. If somebody, if you're coming to me as a client for an hour of your time, I owe it to you to make that time special. Mm -hmm. I owe it whether it's you're a client or you're taking a class with me or you're listening to a podcast. I owe it to you to make your that hour, you're giving me an hour of your time. I have to be prepared. I have to be ready. I have to be on point because I don't want to take advantage of your time. Mm -hmm. I don't want you to walk away from me going, God, that was a waste of my time. My goal with what I do, whether I'm working with a client, whether I'm teaching a class or whether I'm, I'm recording a podcast, is I want somebody to walk away going, you know what? I got 1% better as a result of that. Whether it was a workout or whether it was a learning experience or whether it was just a conversation. I want my goal, personal goal is, and mission is to have somebody walk away feeling like, you know what? I just got, and I don't care about huge points, but that principle of Kaizen, I just got 1% better today. And I think if we all take that approach to our clients about how can we add value to our client's life with the hour that we have with them, I think we'll make the world an amazing place. Mm. 
Well said, Pete. Thank you so much for being here and for sharing so many great thoughts and ideas. Um, I feel like I'm 2% better for having been here with you today. Oh, I'm done. I'm going to, I'm going to take a nap. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to, yeah, that's what that's like. We want to turn off the lights and go back to bed. No, but no, thank you. And it's always, Hey, you guys, I love ideas. It's funny. I, I was looking for it because I wanted to show it to you and I don't know where I put it, but Amy and I talked about back in 2004 or 2005, I had applied to be that I to get the idea master trainer. And I saw my master trainer pin somewhere. Oh, how uh, funny. Really, so I've been, I've had a long, long relationship with, uh, <laughs> with the organization and uh, it really is. It's always an honor to be, to be working with you in some way. Well, we appreciate that and we appreciate you. Thanks so much. If you're looking for more idea content or want to learn more about membership or events, visit our website at ideafit.com. We also host the Listen and Learn CEC podcast, the fitness industry's first and only audible CEC program. Each episode contains information from our award-winning fitness journal that has been approved for one CEC by more than 25 certification agencies. You can subscribe to both the Idea Fit Pro Show and Idea Listen and Learn CEC podcast in the Apple Podcast Store and on other podcast platforms. Check the show notes for these details and for other resources mentioned in today's episode. This is Sandy Webster signing off. Until next time, stay positive and keep inspiring the world with your special magic. Don't ever forget that you make a huge difference in the lives of others and that idea is here to support you in this critical purpose. Thanks for all you do to make the world a healthier, happier place. Yeah.